The word sing appears in the Bible over 400 times. At least 50 of those are commands for followers of Jesus to sing. In Colossians 3.16, believers are commanded to sing to God with gratitude from the heart and to sing to each other, teaching and admonishing through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's clear from the Bible that God desires for his people to sing, both to him and to each other. But what happens when that experience of connecting with God and other believers through music gets commodified and turned into a product to be bought and sold. Total sales from the Christian music industry are more than a half billion U.S. dollars annually. Christian and gospel music are considered one of the fastest growing areas in recorded music history, with more than 1,400 radio stations in the U.S. and over 80 million listeners. Even mainstream brands such as Pepsi Mid-America, Cracker Barrel, Allstate, NASCAR, and McDonald's, among others, have aligned with gospel and Christian artists releases, and festivals and events to promote their brands. It's clear that there's money to be made in Christian music and entertainment. But at what cost to the Christian message? And what about the artists, producers, and writers that help create this music? Are they all truly Christian? Or are they simply pandering to a carefully selected demographic through setting clean, positive, nonspecific, and formulaic jargon to modern music? Is the music promoting an authentic lifestyle of radical surrender to Christ as King? Or is it simply giving us a soundtrack to a life of safe, comfortable consumerism with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on top? Welcome, everybody, to the Beards and Bible podcast, a podcast about beards, Bibles, and everything in between. I kind of sound like a Kennedy right now. <laughs> everything in between. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for Beards and Bible podcast. My name's Josh. Not John F. Kennedy, just to clarify. And I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, man? I think I think everyone was legitimately confused. Like, did I tune into? <laughs> Wait a second. Is this the is this the Kennedy impersonators podcast? Because I listen to that pretty yeah. frequently. Yeah. He's not dead. He's. <laughs> I knew it was off stage. He's podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing, How you doing well. Man? I'm doing good. good. I'm doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just had a scrumptious breakfast over at my mom's house, and I'm over here now mm. podcasting. So it's a solid day so far. Yeah. That does sound like a good day. Are you in Lakeland, or are you still in... Uh... No, no. My mom is now an Alabamian. Yeah, I converted oh, her, converted her over. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's awesome, man. How long yeah. has that been a thing? Uh, Six months or so? I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. she lives down the road from me. She lives like 10 doors down. Ooh. So, yeah. If it was only if it was seven fewer, then it would be a lot better. <laughs> Is that a reference to uh, to a uh, band? No, what are you talking about? You know, I met the guitarist from Three Doors Down one time. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Was, here's here's what I've always thought was interesting about Three Doors Down, right? So he says, "If I go crazy, will you still call me Superman?" Mm-hmm. So he's making people call him Superman. So doesn't that make him already crazy? A little bit, yeah. So what is he so scared of? If he goes crazy, <laughs> he's like, yeah, not, "People call me Superman" because he's like legit crazy. But he's like, if I if I go crazy, will you still reference something mm. that is clearly an indication of my mental instability? I can tell this has really bothered you for a long time. <clears throat> it been really has. pondering. It yeah. really, really has. You drove to many a twelfth grade classes in high school <laughs> thinking about that song. 
Hey, I just saw I just saw on the Facebooks that you ran a half marathon. Is that right? I did. It's not the Facebooks. It's the Instagrams. Yeah, the Instagrams. But Sorry. Yes, yes, I did. I, That's I ran. Phenomenal. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, finished that up on Saturday. A lot harder to do when you have young kids and you can't train as much. Yeah, seriously. But uh, yeah, man, I was able to make it happen and get out there and do it without dying. So. Gosh, that's yeah. thirteen plus miles, right? Yeah, thirteen point one. So. And what was your time? Uh, I was at two eleven. So I two, had run two days, eleven. Two, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, two hours, eleven minutes. Okay. <laughs> two, yeah, two days and eleven hours. Yeah. No, I had done that race in twenty sixteen, and I did a sub two, so I did one fifty seven in twenty sixteen. Wow. But that was when I was running like five, six times a week, and we only had one kid, and yeah. Yeah, so I could train a whole lot more. And uh, I just, I don't know, man. I, I hadn't really been able to train as much as I wanted to. So I've just kind of done what I have been able to do and then got out there after training as much as I could. And That's yeah. awesome. Good for you. Yeah, it was fun. It, was I c fun. it, it takes me like two hours, 11 minutes just to take the trash out to the curb, <laughs> <laughs> let alone run three, 13 miles. Yeah, awesome. I'm, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that i i wondered while i was in the middle of it why am i doing this like this is so dumb yeah like you get excited the first like five six miles you're like, this is great and then mile seven you're like is this great and then mile mm -hmm. nine you're like i'm regretting this decision and mile 11 you're like i hate running and i'm never gonna do it again i think it's so, great though we've reached that point in our civilization where we have so many extra calories where we can just be like let me pay money yeah to, to run 13 miles to just just burn all these yeah yeah. calories yeah i just have such an excess of of the caloric availability yeah well if you think about it we are probably the most sedentary generation to ever come about mm -hmm. so we sit behind desks all day and sit behind the wheels of our cars all day whereas other generations would have been working in the field or walking up and down the road mm -hmm. so and almost like this is getting into a whole nother topic but and almost like to feel human i think you have to introduce stressors like that into your life mm -hmm. to push yourself physically to a place to be able to say oh my body can actually do that mm -hmm. i just don't think it can because i spend so much time sitting and not doing anything so yeah, we, that, we should do an episode on the psychology of suffering i think that'd be interesting because like that's why that's why people go camping you know because they yeah they subconsciously need suffering in their life mm -hmm. yeah um, i was listening to a video from a neuroscience neuro neuroscientist that was talking about how we have such of unprecedented availability of pleasure mm -hmm. that the ones that are actually going to um, stand out in our generation are people who put in natural blocks to receiving that pleasure. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, like, if we, you know, we could eat anything that we want to eat at any fast food restaurant, and that's pleasurable, mm -hmm. right? But the ones who are going to be healthy... Or the ones that are going to say, no, I'm not going to get that pleasure immediately then. I'm going to put a block to receive that pleasure and to introduce necessary tension and pain in order to, you know, have allow for growth. So, hmm. yeah. So, we can nerd out on that sometime. That sounds fun. Yeah. But how about today? What are we talking about today? Uh, we're speaking about another pleasure of mine, which is mm. Christian music, mm. Christian rock. Mm. Uh, yeah. What is is it, is it good? Is it bad? Is it uh, mm. is it edifying the body of Messiah? Mm. Those kinds of things. Yeah. 
Yes. Now, do you yes. remember going to the mall, Josh, and going to the Christian bookstore and I finding do. the one yes. CD from, uh, let's say, I don't know, the Mighty, no, not not the, uh, the um, OC Supertones. You almost OC said Mighty, Mighty, yeah. Yeah, I almost said Mighty, Mighty, Mighty Boston's, yeah, which yeah, leads me was... to another point. But <laughs> you find the one CD that's open, it's been de-shrink-wrapped, and you go in the listening room, and you put mm-hmm. it in the CD player, and you put the headphones on, the headphones that have been used by thousands of other people. Yes. And then you listen to it, and you decide whether or not you want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Remember those days? I remember like it was yesterday. I still remember how those rooms smelled. They smelled terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I remember the chart, and you and I have talked about this chart quite a bit, the chart that said, if you like Red Hot Chili Peppers, you mm-hmm. should listen to, and then it gave you a recommendation for a Christian band to listen to. And... Yeah, that was so much of my young adulthood, my mm-hmm. high school years. Um, but I even remember before that going to see a certain artist in the late '80s by the name of Carman. <laughs> do you do you remember this fellow? How could I forget? <laughs> How could anyone forget if you've seen any performance by Carman? Yeah. Uh, my parents were in seminary when my brother and I were born and Christian music was starting to become mainstreamed. So artists like Carmen and, and your girl, Sandy Patty Hmm. and Amy Grant, um, those artists were kind of becoming more and more, you know, acceptable for church going people to listen to and be edified by. And some of their songs were even being sung in church, which was like a crazy thing. Well, well, because up until that point, the church, the music found within church was not trying to be the music found outside of church. Mm-hmm. It, but it seemed like something shifted in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, where yep. suddenly the music inside church, or the music listened to people that go to churches. There was like this whole other industry that was created, predicated upon replicating the music that is found outside of Christian circles. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about this in our Jesus People episode, how the Jesus People were kind of influential in, you know, introducing this phenomenon of Christian music. And Christian music has morphed into kind of its own thing. Um, On our bumper uh, for this episode, we talked about how total sales from the Christian music industry is more than a half billion U.S. dollars annually. There's about 1,400 radio stations here in the U.S., 80 million listeners, mainstream brands like... Pepsi Mid America, Cracker Barrel, McDonald's have aligned with gospel and Christian artists to promote, um, you know, the the content produced by these artists, and so it's um, it's kind of thirty years later, forty years later, morphed into its own thing, and especially where I live in Nashville, um, this is kind of like the hub and the capital for that, and so it's been interesting over the years doing church here and living here connecting with people that have uh, worked in that industry. And uh, today we're actually going to talk to somebody that worked in that industry. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, because now I can I can go to the Chick-fil-A and listen to Oceans while I use <laughs> this, the bathroom stall. Yes, but Oceans with no lyrics. Yes. But yes. you still know in your soul yes. that grace abounds in deepest waters. <laughs> <laughs> Well, our guest today is Zach Sims. He is the drummer for the band Day of Fire, a Christian rock band based out of Nashville, Tennessee. And in 2005, Day of Fire's self-titled album won the Dove Award 
for Rock Album of the Year. It was also nominated for a Grammy for the Best Rock Gospel Album of the Year. Day of Fire toured with the likes of bands like Pillar, Daughtry, Days of the New, Decipher Down, Cold, Seven Dust, Papa Roach, Thousand Foot Crutch, Trapped, and Saving Abel. And man, I'm super excited to talk to our buddy Zach today. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, guys. Sitting over here laughing about uh, Chick-fil-A and the deepest waters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just have one question. I went through all the resumes of all the, all the bands that you played with. Did you ever play with a certain band called Hoobastank? Mm. You know, I never did play with Hoobastank. Uh, never did. Is that your biggest regret? <laughs> uh, I, hey, I like Hoobastank. Some of their stuff. Not all of it. <laughs> uh, but... No, I wouldn't say it was a great. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, hey, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. All right, well, uh, you covered some of that, but I, my name is Zach Sims. I live in Tennessee with my wife of 18 years, and we awesome. have two kids. Um, as you mentioned, I played drums in a rock band called Day of Fire from 2004 to about 2010, um, and then the band disbanded in 2010, and I kind of wondered where I was going to go from there uh, and mm -hmm. then ended up sort of doing what everyone else in Nashville does that was, was in a band at one point and learned how to design stuff. So now I'm a designer. Uh, work there you for, go. Uh, yeah, I spend, <laughs> I spend the time being sedentary uh, sitting <laughs> at a computer all day. So <laughs> Well, you got to start running with me, man, and then yeah. we'll fix that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, when did you first start playing music? What was that like for you getting into Christian music or just music in general? Yeah, so I grew up um, in church. Uh, my, my mom took me to church uh, every Sunday and Pentecostal church, so we had drums. Mm -hmm. And I, I uh, you know, took a liking to the drummer pretty quickly and just sort of watched him every Sunday and then ended up playing drums as well and then grew up playing in church and then uh when i was in high school some buddies of mine and i started a band and we basically covered christian music and played locally uh very small town in illinois just uh mm. you know we'd play like <laughs> we call them lawn lawn fest with lawn chairs and all that you know a bunch of people <laughs> come out and maybe 30 people show up and we just cover hey that's a big gig man Hey, it was. Yeah, we when were, you're in high school, that's big. <laughs> we were one of the biggest ones around. I'm not, yeah. you know, not the. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I, it was always a dream of mine to play music, and um, so in 2004, uh, my wife and I got married in 2003, and we moved down here in 2004, and um, I got into a band pretty quickly, and it was Day of Fire, and as soon as, so I went from small town, uh, Illinois, covering third day songs and the likes of that to touring with third day. It was our first tour oh, was cool. the third day and Toby Mac on, awesome, uh, yeah. So it was like, <laughs> so did you audition for day of fire? Is that how that worked? You, you came down here and they were looking for a drummer and you auditioned for it and got the, got the gig. Yep. That's right. Um, okay. I did audition with about, it was funny. They did like an in the round audition, um, Josh, the singer. And then they had Greg, the guitar player kind of formed the band and they were looking for another guitar player, a drummer, and a bass player. And we all just showed up in one big room in Soundcheck in at, down in Nashville. And um, <laughs> there was probably two guitar players auditioning, I think maybe two bass players, and then 10 drummers. Oh, wow. So it was quite a deal. We were all sitting in the same room. It was really kind of awkward. Yeah. Uh, 
having to play in front of each other and all that. But yeah, I ended up walking away with it. So yeah, it was quite an experience. So that was in 2004, and your first tour was with probably one of the bigger Christian bands in that time, right? I mean, Third Day was was probably one of the uh, most successful, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it was an arena. It was arena tours, and um, and you mentioned earlier about some of the like sponsorships and stuff. But at that time, it was Third Day's third run of their live Wire or Wire uh, album, mm-hmm. and. Um, they were sponsored by Chevrolet. So they Oh had, wow. Yeah. They had the I don't know if you remember the truck, you know, mm-hmm. the trailer mm-hmm. that when the cars would follow the truck and get on it and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and it'd kinda of fly around. They'd have those trucks at parked outside at the gigs, you know, oh, wow. and they'd they'd have like new Corvettes and stuff and we could go drive them and <laughs> so Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. So would you say your experience in, in touring was that mostly positive? What are what are some things that you liked about it and what are some things you saw that you're like, Wow, this is pretty cool? Well, so, I mean, it was, a lot of it was positive. I, I really enjoyed playing um, music because that's something I, I always dreamed about doing, and uh, or at least I thought that was what I wanted to do for, as a career at the time. Um, I got to see, I got to basically fill up a passport book. I've been to 14 countries, um, oh, wow. been to all 50 states, uh, met, got to meet a ton of amazing people, um, you know, so that part of it was super positive. I enjoyed playing music and, but there was a, you know, a lot of it that was just the grind of the road and being away from your family and all that kind of stuff too, that Mm. I don't, I don't miss at all. Sure. But, but yeah, I mean, most, most of it was, was pretty positive. I enjoyed that time of life. Yeah. Cool thing. Would you say, um, you know, while you guys were doing, you know, what you were doing week to week, night after night, would you say that, um, there was a spiritual emphasis behind it. There was a spiritual component behind it. I mean, did it, did it feel like a job or did it feel like ministry? That's a great question. So it was kind of here and there. Uh, it would, some nights would feel a little bit more just like a entertainer entertainment show, you know, Mm -hmm. we were there and the the reality was we were brought there to entertain, I think first and foremost. Right. Um, and so, but we, we had, we definitely had a, a mission um, in that we wanted to spread the gospel through music in a way that was relatable to people. And, you know, our biggest thing, we'll get into this, I'm sure, but like we started out on a Christian label in 2004 and um, did two records with them. And then we actually changed and went independent for a few years. And then by the end of our career, we were signed to a a mainstream label. Um, Mm. But our, what we noticed when we got in there was, we were a rock band for so for first foremost. There's really not a place for a rock band in Christian music, quote unquote mm-hmm. Christian music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we were playing Christian festivals and churches, and it was always the little side stage and, um, you know, these youth group thing get-togethers, and they were fun. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it was still, it was still like, what are we doing? Like, how is this right. helping? You know, at the time, we didn't really realize. Hey, you know, kids and youth groups need help just as much help as a person sitting at a bar, right? But right, right. our mentality was, and especially from our singer's background, was just a quick. You know, he was a he was in a, a rock band, overdosed on heroin, ended up getting saved, uh, had a great oh, wow. testimony, and formed Day of Fire. And so, Day of Fire's mission, his mission, I think, 
all, all along was to kind of go back to those places that he came from and, and try to help people understand like they don't have to live like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so our mission as it went on was to get away as much, not get away from it, but like move into those areas, like go play bars, go play. Sure. Uh, you know, clubs and stuff. So almost to, to be missional with it, to, to basically relate to people in a place where there's not a whole lot of gospel and yeah. bringing in the gospel message to those places. Yeah. And when, yeah. you know, we, we ended up getting a little jaded with it cause we just kind of felt like, you know, again, like I said, we kind of had the wrong, wrong perspective, I think a bit, but we were just, you know, we'd go play in front of a youth group cl- crowd and they're just jumping around because they're excited that a band's, playing at the church and it was just kind of mm-hmm. like you're missing the whole met the point like right are you just jumping around or are you actually hearing what we're saying you sure. know what i mean sure 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 yeah and then when we go play a bar and play a song we had a song called jesus well it's called the dark hills but jesus walks the dark hills and we'd get standing ovations at, wow. at these kind of shows because people sure. related you know so it was just a totally different dynamic and we play that song in front of a youth group and it was like crickets Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sure, sure. So, what would you say were some things? I mean, obviously, it's that kind of figuring out where you fit in in kind of this mold, if you will. And I'll talk about that here in a minute because I think that's something that's probably a big criticism of Christian music. But what were some other things that you saw maybe that concerned you or confused you from, you know, life on the road and from some of the things that maybe you saw in the studio or the marketing and production meetings or, or what are some things that you saw that you're just kind of like, I don't, I don't know if that's really a good thing. <laughs> well, so, you know, I mentioned us from a small town, so very just small country town, mm-hmm. um, moving to Nashville and then immediately getting on the road, like less than a year after moving here was really eye opening for me just culturally. Right. Yeah. And, I was also raised in a, you know, again, just small country church, uh, Pentecostal church. And so there were things, you know, a lot of legalistic stuff, I think, that I was taught. And whenever I first went to, say, Europe or Australia or in places like that, and, you know, they're, they're drinking beer and it's not a big deal, like, you know, things like that. It was kind of like a, whoa, what, sure. what's this? What's going on? Yeah. Um, and then I'd see, you know, maybe some Christian artists that, you know, drink alcohol as well, or, you know, not abuse it necessarily, but just, you know, just to consume it. And I was just like, that's, that's totally not what I thought was okay. You know? Yeah. yeah, Um, so there were things like that, that kind of just was eye opening for me, um, in a good way, honestly. But, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, as far as, (laughs) you know, talked a bit about, there's not really a place for rock band. You mentioned the mold. Um, there's definitely a mold there and we didn't fit it. And so, Mm one of the things early on that really frustrated me was like way FMs and the, the, those types of <laughs> the fishes and all those kinds of things mm-hmm. would, wouldn't play and, our and songs. Chick, Chick-fil-A bathroom music. Yeah. Yeah. We never got into Chick-fil-A bathroom <laughs> music. I don't, I don't think they played day of fire songs in there. Um, <laughs> I'm still holding out, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they, they, uh, you know, it was kind of frustrating to, because we, we did have a one song that was called Cornerstone. It was probably our biggest our biggest song. And it's a great song, man. It's really powerful. The lyrics are incredible. Um, straight from Josh's heart, our, our singer, and uh, not you. And <laughs> I was so, like, I don't remember that song. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but it just, and it wasn't super heavy rock or anything, but it, it would not get played on hmm. Way FM or any of those types of guys. I don't mean, mean to pick on them, but yeah. it just wouldn't get played because it had distorted guitars in it, you know? Mm, yeah. And so it was just like, right off the bat, I started realizing, oh, okay. And then you mentioned kind of the meetings and marketing meetings. Like, you know, they definitely wanted you to kind of fit. What if you said this lyric or what if you... right. Right. You know, what, what if you change that to this now? And they're kind of m- massaging it, you know, a bit to try to make it fit that mold, I think, that you're talking about. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. early on, it was just kind of like, but no, we, we're out on the road. Like, we're the ones that see what our fans and what the people we're playing in front of like. We should, this right. should be the single. But the right, label's right, right. saying, no, this should be the single, you know. Yeah. So that it was frustrating right off the bat sure. for me. So one of the things in kind of getting ready for this um episode i did is i watched quite a bit of um <clears throat> interviews with uh nashville insiders and kind of i don't want to say defectors from the christian music scene but for you know all intents and purposes that was that's what they were they were people who had worked in the industry and then left because they got frustrated for that very reason and there was one interview i watched i thought was really interesting and this one person got so frustrated with the christian music industry because they said that um there is such a specified demographic focus that the music becomes like so one dimensional. Oh yeah. And and they talked about how they're they literally have kind of three main demographics that they're focusing on and they like give them names. Like the first one is they say they there's a Becky that they're they're trying to get and a Becky is a soccer mom. And a Becky, you know, takes your kids to Christian school and they eat at Chick-fil-A. And, you know, she's going to church in the weekends. And so the songs that really cater to her, the ones that are like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, but Jesus is with me, right? The the I Lost My Keys and the Great Unknown, that Francesca Battistelli song. That's Je- a Becky song. Jesus Take the Wheel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Becky drives the van, eats a Chick-fil-A, takes her kids to soccer practice, and picks her kids up from Christian school. That's Becky, right? And most of the songs are are for Becky. They're written for her, right? Mm. And then there's Taylor, and she's a teenage girl. Mm. And so the whole purity culture and modesty culture is is designed for her. And so Christian artists that are uh, female, their whole demographic is for this, right? A whole, um, I think of the, the store Altered State, right? Mm-hmm. Like fashionable and cool, but at the same time, modest and pure and all that stuff and so becky and taylor are kind of the two main demographics that music is written for and then the third one is probably the smaller of the three demographics and that's in austin (laughs) and austin is a teenage boy and um austin needs like uh music that teenage boys want to listen to but not like can't go overboard with it so you've got to give him some music that's a little bit angsty but not too angsty so safe angst so a little bit of a little bit of rock but not too much hard rock right you don't want to go crazy and like i don't know pierce his nose or something but you want to give him some you know hip-hop and rock that's just like a little bit but not too much because it has to be safe angst right but um the one thing that's suspiciously missing from this demographic is men right or people who have actually gone out and lived life and gotten like um, their hands dirty with real stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. 
So um, most of the music is written not with, hey, let's speak to real life. Let's speak to this experience of knowing Jesus in the midst of brokenness. It's written for, hey, what's going to sell to Becky? What's going to sell to Taylor? What's going to sell to Austin? Yeah, so, I mean, first and foremost, it's a, it's a business, just like yeah. any other business. And so what you've described there is personas and almost every business comes up with a persona of who they sell to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think what people forget is that the Christian music scene is exactly that. And a lot of all the labels, Christian labels are all owned by mainstream labels. You know, mm. it all rolls up to someone somewhere at, <laughs> you know, who knows like Sony BMG or right. uh, whatever. And so the this is something else I noticed when I was in that in that in around the two thousand four to two thousand six timeline when we'd have some meetings and I'd see our CEO of of our our label you know Christian label and I knew I figured it out right away I was like oh he he's getting pressure from above mm. to to make sales so right. the, really what this is all going to come back to is the love of you know the money thing like right. Like it all comes back to the mighty dollar. And so <laughs> it is what it is. It's just like, it's, it's a, it's an ugly machine, I think, because here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to mix in a positive message, a good message, the good message it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. what you're saying is like, where's the, the gospel being taught that, Hey, you, you're, you know, you're in a broken state. Mm-hmm. Here's good news for you versus Oh, you, you, you stubbed your toe and everything's okay. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want to knock some of that. I mean, like, you know, there's some artists that you and I both know that we go to church with that are making amazing gospel centered, Jesus uplifting music. Right. Yeah. absolutely. And they're doing awesome and they're killing it. And if they're listening right now, man, good job. Gold star. So not, I mean, this isn't a monolith saying anybody that's on the radio is, you know, not producing authentic Jesus-centered music. They are. For sure. But I think, you know, what I'm hearing you say and, and kind of what I've picked up on just from listening to, to people who are kind of behind the scenes is the engine that drives it is not necessarily the truth behind the message or um, I- anything like that. It's mainly, hey, what's going to sell? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? I think it's very fair. So I think that uh, at the risk of... I don't know. I'll say it. So, <laughs> uh, I mentioned earlier that, you know, our lead singer had a, a really amazing testimony. Um, I think it was exploited. Mm. You know, I think that, I think the industry saw an, a, a, a gold mine, if you will. And they used that, his testimony and exploited it. And it honestly, it really, that's what, like pushed him. I mean, he was just like, I can't believe you're using my story to make money. Wow. You know? And so that, that was definitely a big turnoff for, for us. So it's almost like they com- commodified his personal testimony for the purpose of selling Absolutely. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was, it was packaged in our first album, like as like you could listen to it. Like it was like, and it was on the the jack the CD jacket. Like it was the main focus. Like, right. oh my gosh, look, this guy came from over there. He was on the dark side. Now he's on the, you know, he's on our side. Yeah. Like it was just, and it was just not cool, you know. Yeah. 
Um, mm. yeah. yeah. So, anyway. hey, Gabe, say something yeah. and speak to speak to what's going on in your head. I'm watching your face, and it looks like you're thinking because I know that Gabe face. <laughs> the wheels <laughs> are turning. Huh? The wheels are turning. What are you thinking? Well, I'm just I'm wondering how the internet changes all this. Uh, why do we even mm. need record labels at this point when we have? this thing called the internet and will record labels in including christian record labels will they eventually go away now that we have an outlet for really good music that suits the taste of any individual that is accessible at our fingertips but what do you think about that zach are, are record labels going the way of the dinosaurs <laughs> i i don't know that well i don't know only, the only reason i'll say that is because I mean, I started, I started recently, a, a quote unquote band. It's not really a band. It's just me, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's called Tone Lantern and it's just an outlet for me to be creative again and to, to just really create music that I think is biblically sound, um, lyrically, you know, mm -hmm. and I was in like day of fires, Facebook page has several thousands of people following it. And I've sent out some messages to. Uh, to that group saying, Hey, look, Hey, you've got some music over here. It sounds a lot like day of fire. So if you miss day of fire, you might like this kind of thing, you know, and mm -hmm. I can't get, you know, you have to play the algorithms. You have to pay money to get, mm -hmm. yep. it's just like, there's really nothing different today than it was before where you had to have the record label that had the hookup with the radio station, you know, to get a song played. Now you've got to have, or you had to have, you had to have the marketing dollars to get stuff, you know, seen, yeah. it's the same today like you have to put yeah. money into that machine to get it going and the record labels still have that money and so yeah I don't know. so you need you need some some investment capital basically i wonder if spotify is kind of the same way like even if you have all the keywords and if you have all the the genres you know connected with other like music i wonder if you have to kind of put the quarter in the slot in order, in order to get those plays on spotify uh, definitely i think so and that's the that's why i just don't i don't know if they will go away because i think that whoever's you know I don't know how that works, but whoever's all kind of figuring out, you know, when the shift happened from record sales to digital, mm -hmm. someone somewhere in, I don't know who, and I guess like the, I forget the company that's sort of like over the Grammys and all that kind of stuff, you know, like they probably got together and figured out how can we, you know, how do we win here? How do we yeah. not go under? How do we corner so, the market? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. One of the things that I have heard um, from Christian artists that are starting out is they don't make any money on their music. They make it from their live shows and from their merch. For sure. So really the way that they, the way that streaming services have disrupted the market is an artist really doesn't, you know, it used to, it was like, you know, album sales, you know, hey, I'm a gold record or platinum record. And you don't really see that as much now. Um, but what you do see is, is people that are touring, you know, they're, they're playing churches and festivals and events and, and arenas. And so that's where they make their money. Um, and I say they probably not the artist as much as the record label, um, which is one of the things why, you know, big Christian festivals, I think will always be a thing as long as Christian music is always a thing. Um, cause what they're selling is kind of that experience of being in a group of people and hearing music played and all that stuff. So. Yeah. And there's definitely something to, I think, you know, technology's gotten better. You can record like a whole lot better, easier than you could back when I was touring, you know, 
record an album, like even my tone laner stuff, like I did pretty much all of that in on my computer that I'm talking on right now. So like hmm. that eliminates a big ingest of money that you used to have to have a label for, you know, sure. you, you had to, they had to help you get into a good studio if you wanted a quality sound and pay a producer and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's, you know, there are, there's definitely like, you can do it. If you've mm-hmm. got the money, I think it just, you can get creative with, I think artists today could probably get creative with their deals with the label. Like, Hey, right. I'm going to own my masters cause I created it all. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah. It's still hard it's to beat the machine though. It sounds like, do you know it's, what I mean? I mean, this, this, <laughs> this massive machine that kind of, uh, decides what gets in and what doesn't, you know, it's kind of, yep. you know, it's kind of hard to beat it at its own game, but Hey, so one of the criticisms people seem to have of Christian music is that the content of a lot of the songs seems really nonspecific and formulaic. Mm-hmm. Like it, it could apply to your friend or to your lover or to Jesus. Um, and it's kind of easy to pick out the, the sound of a Christian song. It's really kind of generic and, uh, has kind of Christian trigger words um, with a lot of kind of nonspecific positive nothingness, a lot of like water metaphors and things like that. Like, <laughs> why would you say that's a thing? Why Why is that kind of the way that these songs are written now? Talk to that for a minute. Well, so I, it's crossover. Like they want to try and like the money is the real money is if you can get a song on mainstream radio, right? Hmm. So take, take a, this is not a great example because I believe this song was a legit song that was written from, you know, the, the, the writer's heart, but I can only imagine mm-hmm. crossed over mm-hmm. and it was huge. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, but you know, that's, that's kind of the goal of almost every, artist and label is not, I shouldn't say every artist, that's not fair, but it's the, the goal is to get crossover into mainstream. Cause then that's where the, the where you get the big money. Cause there's more spins, mm. there's way more radio stations, you know? And so you get notoriety if you make it that to that level, you know what I'm saying? Right. 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 And so, um, it just, it just explodes your career. Like your, your, uh, your fan base gets larger. Your, your touring gets bigger, you know, the, the entertainment part of it gets much more so that's why i think i think Mm. but then going back to just the the cookie cutter lyrics and stuff like that you know um i think that's the vague the the crossover part covers the vague kind of the vague part of it like this could could be the song for about jesus or about my wife right right (laughs) right 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 yeah um but there's the other side of like just people there's within the christian scene it also has to continue to fit that mold, right? Mm-hmm. It can't be too mm-hmm. hard, too far out there, or it's gonna, it's not gonna get played on Christian radio. So right. then, if it, it doesn't go mainstream, and now it's not working Christian either, so you kind of have to balance. They have to balance all that, you know. What sure. I mean? So it's almost advantageous to not make it too explicitly Christian. If yeah, so again, going back to <laughs> yeah. it's it's a business, <laughs> right, 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 right. So. So make it about it, Jesus, but not too much about Jesus, because it's got to have just a little bit of Jesus so that we could play it on Jesus radio, but not too much <laughs> Jesus to where we can't play it on non-Jesus radio. That's basically it. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, the, the thing is, I, I the thing I struggle with 
is this is a, um, it's a career for people, you know, yeah. or at least they want it to be. Um, and I know for me, as I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up always wanting to play drums on a stage. Like that was my dream. And I dreamed of being an entertainer first. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, sure. it was sort of like, Oh, I could be, you mean I could play songs that have a good message and potentially spread the gospel. That was a add on for me. Right? right. Right. First and foremost, I wanted, like I enjoyed being on a stage and playing in front of people and feeling that interaction with people. Um, whether that's right or wrong, like that's, that was the, f- the main drive. Sure. Right? And so I think it, it's a, just a tough thing because it's like, I understand why people, if you're going to try and be in a, in a business, a certain business that requires certain things to sell, like, you know, uh, again, going back to the personas, like the business I work for now, if we just ignore our personas, we wouldn't be in business anymore. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I get I get it. It's really frustrating because of the Jesus aspect of it and the gospel part of it. And like, what are we really doing here? Sure. I wish that we could just call it what it is and say, well, first of all, it's not Christian music. Music can't be Christian. It's, Hmm. you know, Christians are people that can follow Christ. I don't go out, go out to the driveway and get in my Christian car and drive to church. (laughs) You know, I mean, I do. I don't know about you, but. I do have a Chevrolet, and I heard those were on a third day tour, so they're Jesus That's cars true. now. So. You mean to tell That's me they don't they don't lead um they don't lead every chicken that goes through Chick Fil A through the Romans Road and <laughs> before it gets uh, slaughtered, they're like, let's get you saved, chicken, and yeah. then offer you as that's a sacrifice right. for good Jesus people. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction. It kind of sounds like you've you've come to terms with the good, bad, and the ugly, uh, Zach. Just kind of understanding what it is, understanding what it isn't and being able to enjoy it for what it is and what it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of, uh, I definitely don't listen to a whole lot of Christian radio today. Um, yeah. just cause it's, again, it, I mean, I do, it does a lot of the songs feel very similar. Like it feels like you've heard mm-hmm. it a hundred times, um, or more, but you know, there are some really great artists out there and there every now and then I'll, it'll come on or Hannah will leave it on in the car and I'll get in and it's just like, Oh, that's a pretty good, I haven't heard this. Who's this? Yeah. You know I mean, so that, yeah. that happens and there's some really great, like you mentioned, some really great artists out there that are doing it. And it's, I really enjoy their, their, uh, uh, their music. So sure. Yeah. Well, talk about, talk about this for a second. So when a Christian artist is out on the road, um, you know, you mentioned you went to all 50 states and you got your passport stamped all the way through. You're away from your family, but more than that, you're not connected to a church home. Mm-hmm. So as I understand the scriptures, that's one of the things that, that God wants for us as followers of Jesus is to have our lives connected with other believers and covenant together in this thing called church. But the people that are creating music that's kind of the soundtrack for better or for worse for believers around the country they're not having that experience so how does that impact the artists and how does that impact the music they're creating and how does that impact kind of our understanding of maybe even how we do church yeah it's a good point like it's i mean as you know well um obviously you mentioned that the bible talks about it but church community is vital absolutely vital um you do you do create 
a sense of that community out on the road just with other because you're you know most of the time you're touring with other bands and um there's a camaraderie that happens on the road like on a tour Mm -hmm. uh and you it's not church per se but it you know the the church is us so it's it can be six people or thousands of people right right um if it's all centered on if if your conversation is centered around the the word of god and you're getting together and actually (laughs) intentionally doing something about it, then it can be, but that's usually not the case on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so, like I said, like sometimes you'll get, I just speaking for me when I was on the road, there were times where we were on a tour where one of the artists was super, just a great man of Christ or woman of Christ or whatever. And you kind of felt the whole tour, like, wow, I'm connected. Like we're, you know, I'm kind of getting what I need. And then there would be other tours where it was like totally the opposite, you know, yeah, and I, yeah. you could, I could feel the effects of that and just be like, Oh yeah, I'm just, and you go along with it. Like it's, it's not healthy. Mm. And so, you know, I, there were several times where I was not in a good place at all. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have told anyone, any kid, you know, that looked up to day of fire or me as a drummer to say, Hey, follow me you know, do what I'm doing. Right. I was not, I was not leading a good example at all. Hmm. Um, but as far as like how that affects the music, I mean, man, it affects everything. Right. Cause I mean, if you're really writing your own songs, then you're writing from your heart and you're writing from your experiences. So whatever you're going through, that's, that's kind of what you're going to write. And you know, so it's, it has a, a huge impact on it. So if you're not plugged in solid, to to that you know the church part of it and being edified and being uh uh you know taught hey you know that's not right and being challenged you know hmm. then you're just going to write about whatever you think is right sure and so i think that's a dangerous thing yeah and maybe this is just conjecture but i wonder if i wonder if like so much of the emphasis on Christian music that is all about kind of a privatized, individualized, personal relationship with the Lord, detached from this thing called Christian community. I wonder if that's a result of kind of lone rangers out on the road that aren't connected to church. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's just be. taking a stab in the dark at it. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Maybe that's just kind of our culture as a whole. But um, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Well, and here, Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I, I, it wasn't until like probably three, four, maybe even five years ago that I really, really started reading the Bible and really like reading it, not for, not to try and find a Psalm, a certain Psalm that I could write a song about, or, Mm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like reading mm -hmm. it with, with a certain perspective, like just letting, just reading it and letting it speak to me. I didn't know what that meant. I used to hear, you know, older, wiser guys say, man, the Bible just speaks to me. And I was like, I don't know what that, I don't even know what that means. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're not plugged into the word, you're not plugged into anything. And so when you're writing songs, you're trying to write songs about truth, but you don't know truth. Mm. Well, there's a problem. Sure. Yeah. So Kind of piggybacking on that, we'll kind of shift gears for a second. Um, there are quite a bit of sources here in Nashville that say that there are many artists 
who are still in the spotlight that um, kind of behind closed doors and, you know, out of the public eye, they're in that process of deconstructing their faith and questioning key Christian doctrines, but they can't say anything and they don't say anything because if they do, they're going to lose their career and they're going to lose their contacts and they're not going to get invited to these songwriting sessions or get invited to this big church that they're going to play a show. And so they basically are kind of living duplicitous lives. You know, there's Mm -hmm. them behind the scenes that's deconstructing their faith and saying, I don't really know if the Bible's God's word. I don't really know if the biblical standard for sexuality really holds up. I don't really know if Jesus is the only way. Um, But then they go out on the stage at night, they're singing these songs that allude to this is what they do believe, but it's really not. Um, Is that something that maybe you noticed happening behind the scenes when you were in the middle of it? Or do you think this is a a newer thing? And and would you speak to like why you think that happens? Well, uh, I can't say I'm trying to remember any specific bands or or artists that I toured with that I would think was kind of, I don't think it was so because the whole deconstruction thing I think is more of a newer thing in terms of it's sort of the new yeah uh, you know i don't want to say cool thing to do but you know what i mean it's like yeah it's in vogue right now it's in it's in vogue yeah <laughs> it's like oh you know because <laughs> and again it's because when someone does detract or walk away from the faith like they the world pats them on the back yeah and says hey look at look at this person i, I couldn't believe it so whenever brave. i saw yeah, yeah yeah and it's just it's you know for lack of a better term it's gross like yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing, you know, I don't want, look I don't watch news, so I don't really look at much news, but I I came across an article one time about uh John, the singer from Hawk Nelson walking away from the faith. Mm-hmm. And it was like a USA Today article. And I go, Whoa, wait a minute. Hawk Nelson? Wait a minute. Yeah. Hawk Nelson wasn't that much bigger than my band. Okay. Mm-hmm. We yeah. toured with Hawk Nelson. Um they're on USA. This is on USA Today. Like he's in. I don't mean this like this, but you know, it's like, come on. Yeah. He's not really. That's not really. There's no other reason for that to be mainstream media news, except for, it just proves the point that, the God of the Bible is the true God, and there's an right. enemy out there against him. So right, 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 right. Anyway, but the point is, I I don't really remember. That I would have some conversations with some people, and it would be like questions about, like you said, like core things like do you think this is really right or do you think this is true it wasn't like hey i'm deconstructing my faith or it wasn't obvious that that was what they were doing but that might have been what that was right um to your point about people that are still out there today that are sort of writing this (laughs) church of laodicea like fence Mm -hmm. you know uh, be careful i mean pick a lane i think right it's neither is going to work out good for you in that, in that regard. Right. Uh, it's dangerous, but I I get it. I get it because again, it goes back to the whole business thing. Right. Yeah. And that's where it gets really ugly tying in, trying to tie in the truth of God's word with entertainment. Yeah. And it it just doesn't, it really doesn't work well. So you have to, you kind of have to say, I'm an entertainer first. But it, man, if you don't believe the things that you're saying and singing about, then 
Yeah, I mean, just even from not even like a Christian perspective, just from like a, uh, I don't even want to say humanistic, but just like a, a humanitarian perspective, don't you think that there would be someone with a shred of ethics that would feel just gross about that cognitive dissonance? Just like, I'm saying this, I'm singing this, I'm speaking this, and everybody thinks this is me, but behind closed doors, this is not me. I mean, I don't... Yeah. Um, you know, I had a conversation with someone not long ago and they were telling me about, you know, someone that they're very close with that this is exactly what's happening. They're very well known. They're touring. They're everywhere on YouTube and streaming. Everybody's, you know, fawning over their music and fawning over these personas they've created. But then behind closed doors, they're just like, I don't even know if I believe in God. Yeah. And, 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 but they won't say that or come out with that because if they do they're going to lose all their context they're going to lose their career hmm. and so i'm just like man that that's sad and you know my, my friend that's talking about it is, is broken hearted over it um and i just i don't know man that just bothers the snot out of me that this is the monster we've created it just feels really deceptive and feels very hollow and it kind mm-hmm. of makes you suspicious of any hero in christian music you know, because yeah. you're like, I, I only see one side of this person. What are they like behind closed doors? What are they like when they get off the stage? Do they really believe any of this stuff? Well, you, your point about, you know, giving up, like, okay, if I, if I voice what I really believe or who I really feel like I am, I'm going to lose all this stuff. The thought that came to mind was the opposite of that. Like people who, you know, have an experience at church, they give their life to Christ but they don't want to give up certain things, hmm. you know, kind of think of the, uh, I thought about the, the, the rich young ruler, right? Right. Jesus said, give up all that stuff and follow me. Like you have to let go of something. So it's, but he, but there's this, <laughs> he didn't want to. And it's the same the other way around. Like it's their career. It's their livelihood. It's where they, how they make their money. It's all this stuff. But again, it's it just, to me, it feels like, man, that's a, to, to make money off of Jesus's name and you, and you don't even actually necessarily believe in him. That's, 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 Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. Scary. yeah that is. <laughs> I, would, I would be worried about that. But like, so, uh, there was another point there I was going to make, but it, it's just, it's a, it's a bummer. I think it's not surprising. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Cause I, again, I think that it goes back to all the stuff we've been talking about. If you're not plugged in, you're not plugged into a church. You're not. You don't have anybody around you that's really challenging you. Um, you're seen as like the hero, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're the one that's got it all together, right? Yeah, yeah. So they have to like carry this load of well, I can't let everyone down, right? Right. And so it, it's it's just it's this false reality. It's like you. That's mm-hmm. not even what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, I mean, he's, he's not going to condemn you right. for being honest. Right, like, right, 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 right. But the church, man, but uh, the church at large, right, not everyone, but especially the American church will destroy people that fall or have a, you know, mess up with their marriage or, you know, I'm talking about like key leaders and pastors and all this stuff like that have, you know, we crucify them. Right. Right. Instead of showing them grace and understanding, like, oh, I've got just as much wood planks in my eyes as they do. Sure. Right? Yeah. So I think I think it's there's just a lot of a lot there that people and I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning your faith. Like like Mm-mm. 
Hmm. You know, God wants us to do that. He wants us to, he's, he tells us to do that. Like yeah. the yeah, Bereans the, were more noble because they searched the scriptures. Sure. And, and, and Thomas know. had doubts. And instead of Jesus kicking Thomas to the curb, he showed up and he said, right. Hey Thomas, put, put your, put your uh, hand into the holes in my, my hands. Like, yeah. see and 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 look at evidence and and let's talk through it let's you know right. um you know and i heard one christian artist say as i was kind of researching for this episode they were interviewing him he just said not too many christian artists are asking the right kinds of questions right now because mm-hmm. there's not a safe space to ask those questions yeah because it's all about you make one misstep that makes you less marketable and you lose everything yeah yeah the cancel culture. Sure. That's a real thing. It's a real thing. Christian cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. There's an <laughs> adjective. A... In... Yeah. One of the things I, I, with what time we have left here, I don't want to eat the rest of it up, but, um, is, is this trap that I kind of fell into in my teen years. I started listening to this subculture of Christian music and really attached to like the punk and hardcore, like, subculture within the, within Christianity itself and started listening to a lot of like tooth and nail bands and stuff and really, really dug that sound. Um, and then I would go to high school, you know, and I would, I would dress the dress, wear the t-shirts, you know, like look like the subculture, even though I was listening to primarily Christian music, but I started assimilating into the culture with other, uh, punk rockers, other skateboarders who, weren't they didn't have that christian adjective nor did they listen to bands that had that christian adjective in front of them so then i got exposed to things like you know some other some other punk rock bands that that weren't as holy as uh let's say like mxpx or something you know (laughs) and so i started i found myself not only listening to those bands but going to those shows and then playing and playing in bands as a drummer uh for for punk rock bands that were uh, anything but Christian. And so you, you get kind of sucked into this trap and I'm like, what is the remedy or what is the preventative, um, measure with that? How do we keep that subculture? Those subcultures kind of blending or are they supposed to blend or how do we keep them separate? You know? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned earlier, you know, something that came to mind there was, I think it was you, Josh, that said, uh, you know, hear this band that sounds like, or right, here's the right, band right. that, you know, it's like, first of all, that's already problematic because the, the, the I'll call it the Christian version of, or this Christian band that sounds like uh, Papa Roach or whoever, like, they're already, you know, they're already not as good. Right? <laughs> the Walmart like, version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have here, Dr. Here. Pepper or Dr. Thunder, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's like, that's basically what it's like. It's almost yeah. like, hey, just because they're in this industry, they're not quite as good as, you know? And there, for a while, that was kind of true in terms of like production. And there wasn't as much money being used uh, or spent on top quality producers and all. There's definitely something to that. But like, <laughs> you know. There's a lot of great artists out there. And the fact is an entertainer's an entertainer. You're either good at it or you're not. And right. so as far as subcultures go, I think I, I totally hear what you're saying, Gabe, because I, I was I mean, I think I did the same thing even mm-hmm. in my band. Because whenever like I said, we wanted to we wanted to go into the mainstream and originally the goal was 
to spread the gospel, to go play bars. Like what we would do is we would set up Christian uh, shows at like churches and Christian festivals because those paid us enough money. They actually could afford to, to pay us. Mm-hmm. And then we would go play the bar for free, right? Or for little money. Mm. And so our original thought there, I think was really good, but what ended up happening was we ended up playing in bars and being around dark places and around people, you know, Mm. around all this, the world. And so I don't think we were insulated enough to do that. Mm. And it started to, it started to affect us. It affected me for Mm. sure. And, you know, I think it's just one of those things, man, where you, you have to, you have to know like what you're coming up against, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yes. I, I don't know how, what the answer is other than again, just plugging back into the word. I think, I think for me, I know for sure. Well, I think the, the key difference for me was whenever I got plugged into the word it's and I can of, start seeing, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, sorry. I, I keep interrupting you, but yeah, I think, I think being plugged into the plugged into the word is, is, vitally important but i think some of the 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 theme it's kind of a microcosm of the body the body of messiah and the the the, Mm. especially the western church and christianity seems to be trying to mimic uh more than influence at some Mm. at some points and i think christian music is just a microcosm of that you know we could take like the Wednesday night youth service. It's like, we're trying to mimic something instead of influence something. Um, and I think we as believers need to get out of that mindset of like, okay, I need to, I need to offer a suitable alternative to this aspect of, of secular culture. Instead, we need to be thinking and training our kids to, to think, how do we be influencers of the culture around us for the sake of the gospel? Right. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not. It's not as much like, um, hey, let's just fit in. Let's let's have our own little. You know, you mentioned altered state, and mm-hmm. nothing wrong with any of those companies, sure. right? Yeah. But but it's just, why don't we influence, or maybe and maybe altered state is. You never know. Like maybe yeah. their yeah. their business model is influencing how I don't I don't know who their competitor direct competitor would be, but you know what I mean. Like maybe mm-hmm. they're. Maybe they are influencing and maybe there are, I know that for sure there are some bands out there, some very legit bands um, that, that are, you know, are the singers and the artists within are Christians, solid Christians. Yeah. And they've crossed over and they are, they're playing both. Right. And they, sure. they are influencing. I think that they, when they get on the road um, and they're touring with these other bands that are not, they are, I believe they are changing the culture and try and helping these other people see like, Hey, Oh, this is real. Like you're not crazy. <laughs> you know? Right. 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 Um, there's definitely something to that, but, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point, Gabe. Like how we, we've just got to have our, we have to have the safe music. We have to have the Christian music. We don't want you know, but it's, it's the other way around. Like we should be creating good music. Mm-hmm. It should be quality. It should be, it should have the gospel message in it. I don't think it should be watered down. That's another thing, right? Yeah. Because going back to your point earlier about just the songs and just uh, the crossover bit, why should it? Why does it need to cross over? Like, why can't it just be good and be good lyrics and be mm-hmm. be truth? Mm-hmm. You know. Um. There are bands out there that do, there are artists that do that. There are, 
they're not as they're not going to be as big as the ones that that fit the mold because sure. I, there's I don't know what you do about that that machine. I just don't I don't think it can yeah. change. I just don't I don't see it happening. Yeah. But again, like I said, you can find artists that are you can kind of sift through and especially with the Apple musics of the world and the Spotify's like we can, you can find music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's kind of like all of culture right now. I mean, you're driving down the interstate and you get off looking for a bite to eat. You could go to McDonald's, Hardy's or Taco Bell. They're right there. But if you're like, what's the best food in this town? You probably got to dig a little bit to find that, you know, really quality you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. it's not that there's not good quality art out there whether you're talking about music or writing or or film or any of that it's just that that's not what the machine is pumping out for us to consume like on the surface you probably have to dig a little bit and you probably have to you know but there is out there you know well yeah and another thing just talking about that (laughs) the Christian radio machine is something that's always bugged me is the worship songs. Mm, you take a, yeah. <laughs> you know, we might open a wound here, but like <laughs> you take, you take these experiences that happen at churches, like, and you listen to a live version of a worship album, you know, worship song. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the cookie cutter version of it on the radio. Yeah. Yep. It's like that lost all of the point. Like, yeah. And, and it's, you know why can't you just play it like it was right it was great right, 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 it was right. okay it was yeah it was fine the way it was like just don't mess with it but it, it yeah. just doesn't i i've always wanted to start a <laughs> a radio station that just played live uh, worship music yeah why not yeah 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 yeah. i'd tune into that i would too yeah <laughs> hey so last question as we wrap up today um what would you say to someone maybe listening who has a hero in christian music or maybe they have an artist or a group that they're not only a fan of their music, they kind of look up to that person as an example in, in the faith. Like, what would you say to somebody that, that may be listening that, that that's kind of where they're at? Well, first I have to ask, is your hero Carmen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think he might be my dad, too. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> wow, that got really quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mom, uh, if you're listening. No. Um, <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. I've seen him probably live eight times. Rest in peace, Carmen. Oh, yeah, I only saw him once, and it was on the standard. And oh, I, good tour. It was a good one. Yeah. Uh, no, man. So, just you just have to be careful. You have to understand that people are going to let you, all people will let you down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Anytime we put someone on a pedestal, no matter what, no matter who it is, like. At some point, it's inevitable they're going to say something, they're going to do something that is wrong, or it's going to be again. Maybe you think it's wrong, even right? Yeah. And it's going to let you down, and so it's just dangerous in general to put anyone, any person other than Jesus Christ as the on the pedestal. Hmm. And you know, just understand that. I also, I mean, it's it's weird. I understand why they do it. Like, I understand why we have these people that we look up to, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously we have to have people to look up to. I think it's healthy to do that. But again, you just have to understand that they're humans just like you are Mm -hmm. and have grace, have grace with people like that. Like (laughs) when they mess up, are you going to knock them off the pedestal and bury them in a hole? 
-hmm. or are you going to remember all the times, all the good things, the reasons why you put them there in the first place? Like, wow, can I learn from that mistake? Sure. Right? Can I help? Is there anything I can say or do to help make sure that they feel loved still when they do make a mistake? Mm. Like, it's just, you know, we're all humans. We're all in this together. And there's, there's really no difference. They're no different from you just because they play on a stage, you know, maybe in front of thousands of people or 10 people like my band, like, <laughs> you know, we're just people. We're just right. people. And I, I, uh, I, that was one thing about my career that I, I didn't love was signing autographs. Mm. It was like, guys, you don't, what, why do you want my autograph for? Like, why do you want anybody's autograph for really? Right. But that's right. a whole nother thing. Mm. But like, you know, it's just like, signing autographs or having the, the, the autograph line and just looking at people and going, I'm just a person. I did you, I can, can I get yeah. your autograph? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there'd be a lot of artists that would probably plead with the public to see them as entertainers and not pastors? Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I've heard you say so many times, as we've been talking, Hey, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you think maybe that's a good reframing for somebody that may be in that boat to remember that what you're seeing on a stage or hearing on the radio is coming from an entertainer. It's not coming from a pastor or yeah. an elder or a teacher, you know? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they don't have it all together. Nobody does. Not, not even pastors right? or elders or teachers have it all together. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So like, Whenever you look up to, so when somebody, well, I, I kind of mentioned this to you at one point, another time, but like <clears throat> when John, when the, the whole news thing came out with, you know, USA Today and CNN, I don't even remember so many mainstream outlets saying the Hawk Nelson lead singer leaves the faith. And I'm just like, why do you care? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I know why, but still, again, the thing is, he, you know, I know there were a ton of people that were looking up to John yeah, and just it wrecked them. And it may have, it may have knocked them off of the, you know, knocked their faith down to a sure. point where they're like, now they're questioning everything. And so I responded to, to John's post on the day of fire Facebook page, not because I thought John would read it or because I cared that he would that I'd change his mind or anything like that. But I wanted pe the people to see both both sides yeah. and say everything he's saying here. Here's why that's wrong, and here's why biblically this that's in, that's inaccurate. You know, mm. I wanted to make sure that people had to see like, okay, just because he says it doesn't mean it's right. Right, it's not truth. Right, right, right. Okay, and just because I say it doesn't mean it's truth. But here's right. the truth saying why all this stuff is wrong. You know, sure. And I had a few people. It was a handful. It wasn't a ton, but it was you know, several people hit me up and say, you know, thank you for this. Like I was, mm -hmm. I was on a, I was headed down a dark road because I just didn't know what to do with this. And this, this mm -hmm. helped me. Wow. And so if I can help two or three people, man, you know, it's, I'll do what I can. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Well, Zach, man, thank you so much for, uh, hanging out with us today. And thanks for just sharing your story and really appreciate it, man. Yeah. It's fun. Absolutely. I wish my my uh, uh, video would have worked. I have a beard too. <laughs> well, we'll have to take your word for it because uh, <laughs> on... now I've I've seen you in person. Probably I can't remember the last time I saw you in person. Probably a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's been a bit. Hey, but you and I had talked about doing a side project together. You remember that? 
I do remember. Yeah, that. we talked about doing a metal band where everything's <laughs> in drop D and it's just like bar chords in drop D. And um, I do remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, we'll get on that. So let's do it. You should name it the Five Sole. <laughs> we wait. We had a name. What was the name? The name was the, name. the Drop D's. Because oh. <laughs> it was, you know, Drop D, like the band. Would, and then we were like, well, maybe, maybe that's not the the best band name. But uh. I always, I always thought it'd be fun to have a punk rock band called the Seven Sons of Siva. Ooh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, there was that's a band good. back in the day called Black Eyes Kiva. Mm. Yeah, I here's my here's my idea. You ready, Stephen? Curtis Chapstick <laughs> and Stephen Curtis Chapstick would play all of Stephen Curtis Chapman songs in like gutter punk timing just yeah. like screaming you know go at showman when the evil comes ace just like you know really really intense so if you guys are interested that's in actually, Stephen, Stephen Curtis that's Chapstick that's actually a really good deal that's a I, really good idea yeah so if you're interested in that we can make it happen I'll, I'll hop on bass Zach you can do drums and Cave you can play triangle so Mm, mm, thank you. You'd be like that. No, other... Sounds like Gabe's the punk drummer. I think. It sounds like yeah, Gabe's yeah. The punk drummer. yeah. I was gonna I just stand on the side of the stage and just apply chapstick the entire time and scare <laughs> people awkwardly. Hey, hey! In Christian music, it's it's you have a hype man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. We gotta have a hype man in there. Too. Yeah, that would be Gabe. Yeah. Yep. That, that's awesome. Well, Zach, man, thanks for joining us, and thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or any feedback, you can always send us an email or reach out to us via the Facebook page. Thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.